Welcome to the Carlina Show podcast. I'm your host, Carlina Angwin. Today is Wednesday, August 8th, 2018, and this is episode nine of the podcast. Today on the show, we have Damian Barry. Damian is a U.S. Army veteran, husband, father, and owner of East Tennessee Canine. Since 2003, Damian has trained working dogs for active military and police forces, service dogs for veterans, children with special needs, and older adults, and search and rescue dogs to detect missing persons. His working dogs have been placed all over the world and have helped save and protect lives. In today's episode, Damian tells the journey that led him to start training dogs. We also have a couple special appearances. His children visit and tell us why they love their father. And his friend Andrew Simmons, another combat veteran, joins the conversation and talks about Damian's mentorship and their unique friendship. For Damian's contact information, visit the Carlina Show website at carlina.fireside.fm and click on Damian's guest or episode page. If you are watching our video interview on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can help support the show by rating and reviewing on iTunes or visit our Patreon page and become a patron. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search The Carlina Show. One more thing, thank you Stephen Lorca for video editing, photography, and graphic design. Now I bring you Damian Barry. I'm just meeting you today for the first time, but we talked on the phone, I guess it was last week. But, um, but I feel like I've known you for a lot longer um, because uh, of my friend Andrew, um, who I've been talking to for, for a couple of years now. He, he mentioned you as, as a mentor and told me a little bit about your story. So um, you've kind of been in the back of my mind for a little while. I've been thinking, you know, that I would just love to sit down and talk to you. So I'm glad that that we're doing it. <laughs> well, first off, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, Let's good. have a good time. Let's have a good time. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's funny because we're talking about Andrew like he's not in the room, but he's just sitting right over there. <laughs> and um, and surprise, we're going to bring him on at the end. So he'll he's going to say a few words about how Damien is his mentor and all. So, um, so anyway... Uh, so how about we get started? Um, what tell um, talk a little bit about what you're doing right right now? Okay, um, so I've started my own business, East Tennessee Canine. I train dogs, anything from family pets to police and military working dogs. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of my own sport dogs as well. But um, I'll, I have a 25 acre farm. We raise Black Angus beef cattle here. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you you train? Is it um, working dogs? Yes. Is that service dogs or is that different? Um, service dogs, police working dogs, military working dogs, and including family pets. Okay. Like your little labradoodles and that kind of stuff. I do all those things too. Okay. Okay. So we'll get to more or get more into that in the in the end, like what the difference is between like a service dog and a military working dog and police right. dog and, and the type of training that you do. Um, so, um, okay, so then let's see. So you and I are the same age, but and, and I'm a couple months older, so I'm mm -hmm. wiser, definitely. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, now um, talk a little bit about um, like where, where you uh, – where you're from, and a little bit about about your family before we we get into your journey of um, joining the army and and so forth. Okay, so. I started off as a military brat. Okay, um, my dad was in the Marines, so we moved around, and then um, once I was five years old, he got out, and we moved to East Tennessee, where my mom's family's from. Okay, and I was raised in East Tennessee until I was 18 years old, okay. where I joined the military, and I. Um, two brothers one young, younger mm -hmm. seven years younger and one older it's a year and 13 days older okay okay and did they all join the military or just, just me just you <laughs> yes. okay okay and um so did you join the marines or did you no no <laughs> i've got um uncle my uncles and my dad is all marines but i joined the army because they gave me a guaranteed contract and i tell them it's because i have an iq they wouldn't <laughs> let me in the marines Okay, so what do you mean? So what do you mean by that? So, um, it's just our family. We go on picking each other, and Andrew and I as well uh -huh. picking each other different branches. We're all brothers, but 
to give each other a hard time. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's good. All right. <laughs> so, um, so you joined the army when you were 18 and then talk a little bit about like the, your training and, okay. you know, yeah. So I, I signed up for, to be military police. Mm -hmm. I went to basic training in July of 97. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I went straight to airborne school at Fort Benning, Georgia and was assigned a duty set, permanent duty station at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Okay. Okay. So military police, what's, what is that? It's, um, a lot of people think it's just like a cop, but I was more of a garrison. Or that's the garrison side of it. But there's also field MPs that, like, we jumped out of airplanes. We do um, convoy securities and route recons, that kind of stuff, in a combat zone. So you jumped out of airplanes? Yes, ma'am. Wow. With uh, a parachute? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Intentionally. Oh. <laughs> um, that airborne school I went to since I got out of basic training. But later in my career, I went to jump master school, which that's the people inspect the other soldiers and send you out. Uh -huh. It's a pretty, pretty high honor. Wow. Okay. And then, so you did that um, after, well, after high school. And then when was, when was your first deployment? Um, well, my deployment was later in my career. I guess I should back up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> when I went to Fort Bragg, I was uh, as, as a regular MP for a little over a year. Mm -hmm. And then I joined SRT, which is Special Reaction Team. It's kind of equivalent to a civilian SWAT team. Mm -hmm. And there I went to several different SWAT schools and entry schools and then uh, sniper school as well. Okay. So um, I did that for a little over two years and then went back to the regular line units. And that's when I deployed for the first time to Kosovo in 2001. Okay. In 2001. What, what month was that? July, I think. July, okay, okay, because you were there when 9/11 happened. Yes, ma'am. So, do you remember the morning of 9/11? <laughs> I was actually on R and R, and um, what does that mean? Uh, rest and relaxation. Oh. And um, what country was that? In Kosovo? No, I was. I was. We went um, to another country, uh, Bulgaria, Sofia, oh, okay. Bulgaria. Uh huh. Then that's when it happened. Uh, the first night we were there. Uh huh. The next morning we woke up and everybody's going crazy and. The broken languages and all that. It's like I didn't know what was going there talking about plane crashes and bus crashes and we're like, These people are crazy. Uh-huh. So and then finally they called us all in and put us on lockdown. Oh, okay. Okay. And so how how long how much longer were you there in in Kosovo? Um we were there for until the end of oh in Bulgaria for two more days. But oh, okay. But we went back to Kosovo and then uh -huh. we were there until the end of November. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And so, so then you came, you came home from Kosovo, and how long were you home before your deployment? I was, um, we are back in the States for six months before we were sent to Afghanistan. You went to Afghanistan, okay. Yes. And um, can you talk about anything about what, you, what happened over there or anything? Just in Kosovo or Afghanistan? In, in Afghanistan. Um, we, de we deployed there in July as well, mm -hmm. and then... Um, we, we did your, your route recons and um, that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. patrol in the area. Okay. That kind of thing. Okay. 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 And you were there for how many months? We were there for six months. You were there for six months yes. in Afghanistan. Okay. Um, and how old were you? I was 23. You were 23. Yes. Okay. And what was your position or what was uh, your rank or your... I was um, E5 sergeant uh -huh. then. Um once I came back, I got promoted to Staff Sergeant E6. Okay. And I did that in under five years. Okay. Being entry. Wow, okay. Um, okay, so then you came back from Afghanistan. And, um, okay, so bring us up to, um, from that point up to your accident. What, is there anything important that happened in between there? Um, I was sent to a school, BNOC. That's the school you have to go to when you become a Staff Sergeant. Mm -hmm. And... I took my bike with me because I didn't want to miss a whole summer riding. Uh huh. And uh, that's where I got an accident. I was at Fort McClell, or, sorry, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, mm -hmm. when I got my motorcycle wreck. When did you get your motorcycle? As soon as I came back from Afghanistan, like the week of. Okay, so you came back from Afghanistan and you got your motorcycle, and then, um, and then how much time was there between when you got it and your accident? It was six months. Oh, there was seven, seven months. There were seven months. Right. Okay. And so, um, 
so tell me about about that day, like what you remember. Um, I had a, a friend of mine that was riding with me, and we were going to the Lake of the Ozarks, riding Route 66. And I don't remember it, but what happened was I was passing, and a, a van took a left in front of me, mm -hmm. and I T-boned it. I oh. broke my neck and, and a C7, broke my back in four places, and both arms are broken. They gave me less than an hour to live on the scene. So you had someone on the bike with you? Yes. Okay. And she's okay. She's okay. Yes. okay. She um, she was in a coma, had some short-term memory loss, and a broken collarbone. Uh huh. But she's okay now. She's married and has kids, and uh -huh. is doing real well. Okay. Okay. So you were you were pa passing a, a van? Is that what you said? I was and passing a vehicle, and then a van took a left in front of me. Okay. It, okay. It was a '68 model utility van with no tail lights, no brake, no lights at all in the yeah, and no insurance. Oh wow! So it okay. was one of the big heavy ones. Yeah. So you were away from your family, you said. Y yes. You, okay. Okay. Um, so then, so then, what happened? Um, from there, they uh, sent me to Fort Leonard, and they sent me by Lifesar to Springfield, Missouri, where I was in intensive care. Okay. Um, I don't remember a whole lot there. I know they're like, kind of in and out. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I could. I knew that I was going to die. I did. So I asked the nurses, because my family all drove over there from Tennessee, mm -hmm. and I asked the nurses not to give me pain medicine. And they're like, you're going to be hurting. You need it. I said, well, I want to tell my family bye, mm -hmm. because I knew that I was going to die. And so they didn't give me my pain medicine. I told everyone I loved them and bye. And when they left, they gave me my pain medicine. And then from that point on, you can read back on my medical records. My vitals started coming back up. I started getting stronger again. Then I think that was just God saying, okay, you, you've gone as low as you can go. You need to, you wow. need to surrender to God. Yeah. Because I thought that I was this big, strong guy that could do anything. Yeah. And God puts us in our place. You need me. Yeah. And then at that point, everything turned around and changed. Wow. So they gave you an hour to live? Is yes. that what? Okay. And so... When did your family get up there? Did they get up there the same day, or I, it, it, probably the same day? I'm not real sure. I was okay unconscious for like four days. Okay, or in and out of consciousness for four days. So you were conscious when your family came up, so that you could you could talk to them, and that was it, and you talked to them. Yeah, I was like in and out because the pain meds like really groggy. Right. Of, like later, they said they were there for like two days, and I thought they were there for like twenty minutes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, and so how long were you in the, in the hospital? I was at Springfield for two weeks. Okay. And then they sent me to Augusta, Georgia, where I did my rehab at the VA hospital there. Okay. Okay. So do you have any, any memories of, um, the, the first hospital? I mean, just your Springfield? family? Yeah. Yes. I was in intensive care for um, like I said, like four or five days, mm -hmm. and then they sent me down the hall where they started trying to do a little bit of rehab with me there, just getting me prepared to go to the VA. Mm -hmm. um, they were excellent there. <laughs> That's a really good hospital. At the VA or at, at the Springfield? Oh, Springfield. Oh, okay. Yes. okay, okay, okay. And at what point did they give you your diagnosis, or did they tell you? Well, they told me at first. Because I was paralyzed from my neck down at first. I couldn't move my arms. Mm -hmm. um, but once the swelling went down, I had function in my arms. Mm -hmm. And they told me that I was paralyzed. And, of course, me, I, no, I'm not. I'll mm -hmm. be walking out of here. Mm -hmm. So and at that point, like, a lot of people say, have hope. But yeah. I, I agree that hope will cripple you. You mm -hmm. can have hope that maybe one day I'll walk again. Mm -hmm. But you can't sit back waiting for it to happen. you got to go. you got to move. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did. Yes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> okay, so then you went to Augusta, Georgia to, for, to a v, the VA hospital there for yes, your rehab? Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay. And, um, all right, so, so tell me about, about that and the people that you met there. Okay, um, it, it was an experience coming from uh -huh. a civilian hospital where everybody dotes on you and that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. um, I've never had any real complaints with the VA. I mean, I have small stuff here and there, but you have it anywhere you go. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk bad about the VA and their situation, but mm -hmm. I've never had any real bad problems with them. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was hard. It was really tough. Mm -hmm. I've come from 
being this tough guy in combat to mm-hmm. laying here can can't even raise my arms up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met a lot of good people there. I met um, one of the guys that I met actually got me kind of indirectly started doing dogs. He was an older gentleman named Hoyt um, Rollins. His name was mm-hmm. Rollo for Rollins. Mm-hmm. We used to talk about pit bulls and dogs and stuff all the time. And uh, I told him, you know what? When I get out of here, I'm going to get a pit bull and I'm going to name him after you. <laughs> and he just thought it was the, fun, the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. So before I got out, he passed away. Uh, so so um, hmm. I kept my word to him. When mm-hmm. I got out of the hospital, I was looking immediately for a dog. And his name, registered name was Hoyt Rollins Rollo, but we call him Rollo. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't anything special. He was a backyard bred dog and probably shouldn't have bought him. But know what I know now, I would never bought a dog in that situation. Mm-hmm. But he was what I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, a puppy, you got to get out of bed in the morning, take him out, mm-hmm. give him a training. And that's what kept me going. Mm-hmm. Because at first you come home, you want to hit this low point. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to really get out of it. It's like it's just easier to lay here and not do anything. Mm-hmm. But he got me moving. Mm-hmm. And I started training him, doing obedience classes. And then um, I thought, you know what? I need to make him a service dog. I mean, that'd be great. I would saddlebag vest for me and carry things. So I did. And I started training him um, as a service dog. And then after a while, I'm like, you know what? It'd be good to have a protection dog. So I started doing that. And I joined um, some Schutzen or IPO clubs. What does that mean? It's um it's a German sport where it's tracking obedience and protection and that's mm-hmm. what I compete in still to this day. Mm-hmm. But to do some protection work with him, mm-hmm. and um he w- he was a phenomenal dog. He had a great on off switch. He's I used to volunteer at child runaway shelters, and he would go in there and the kids would roll around on top of him and had their arms in his mouth and he was just good as gold. So how did you know how to train? I trained like- with them club. It's club at first. Oh, okay. And then um. I went to different clubs and trained, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what got me. Well, I competed all over the country with Rolo. I mean, we we mm-hmm. went from Ms., uh, Michigan down to Florida mm-hmm. in competitions. But at one at some point, you're competing with people in Malinois and German Shepherds, and pit bulls are just not designed to do that kind of work that long. Mm-hmm. So I needed more dog. <laughs> so that's when I started looking into the Malinois. And I got my first Malinois named Shelby, and then I started competing with her and doing really well. Mm-hmm. And people asked me here, hey, can you help me out with my dog? Can you give me a pointer here? Can you do this? I thought, well, okay. Uh-huh. And then people started wanting me to train their dogs. I thought, well, if I make enough money to pay for dog food, I'll do it. Sounds great. <laughs> and that's kind of how it started off. People asked me to help them a little bit, and then next thing you know, I said, okay, I'm going to charge a little bit more because I'm getting overran with dogs. Uh-huh. And it came into a business like that. Wow! Wow! So, um, so you were you were in a club, and then the mm-hmm. club traveled around the country. No, just me. I, well, just you, you join a training club, and then if you want to compete in other other places, you do. Uh huh. Okay. And how how was that traveling around the the country with a dog and with a disability? I mean, was it a challenge or? It's always a challenge. A lot, of, a lot of places you go to, people camp out, and I can't camp. I've got to have a hotel room with a bathroom and a shower that I can get in and out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you do have other accommodations you have to do. Mm-hmm. I went to a trial a couple of years ago and didn't have a battery charger and forgot it at home. Oh. And so I'm hoping and hoping and hoping my chair doesn't die during this trial. Yeah. But um, it's a lot of different things. You've got to pack a lot more stuff. But that's back when I was single, and it was a lot easier then. Now I have kids, it's a little more difficult. Uh-huh. I don't travel quite so far when I compete now. Oh, okay, okay, because you have the kids here. and right. Yeah. Well, they go with me. My kids. Oh, love they go it. with you? Oh, yeah, my wife and the kids, they love going to watch. Oh, okay. Most okay. of the dogs I train now, I usually have a kid in my lap while I'm training them. We'll go ahead and pause right there. At this point in our conversation, Damien's children arrived, and we gave them an opportunity to say a couple things about their dad. So now we have Kendall and Isaac. And Kendall, can you talk a little bit about what it's like to train dogs? You have to learn, and you have to learn really hard, and you have to train. So how do you train them? You like six-day plot. Plots? What does that mean? That means down. In German, German, right? Yes. Oh, in German? Mm-hmm. You speak German? Wow. And who's this sitting next to you? Isaac. And who's he? My brother. Yeah. 
Do you love him? Yes. Oh, well, that's good. Is there anything else you want to say? You have to learn me hard and be. Well, that sounds like good advice. Can I get a high five? You have to be very patient, not you. <laughs> Can I get a high five? No? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> okay, so what do you think of your daddy? I like him and he's playful. He's what? He's playful. He's playful? How so? He plays with me, like Barbies. He plays Barbies? Mm -hmm. Oh, which Barbie does he play with? Ken. Ken? <laughs> uh huh. Cats. What? Cats. You have cats? Mm -hmm. Two cats. One's named Nacho and one's named Taco. Oh, those are good names. And how many dogs do you have? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Your dad said 25, is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, does maybe? that maybe? Does that sound about right? That's quiet okay. dogs, too, isn't it? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> What's your dog's name? What's, What's your dog's name? Rose. Rose? Your dog's name is Rose? Yes. Oh, did you train her? Not very much. Not very much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. She still has time to learn. A puppy. Okay. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> so let's talk about um, your when your little brother introduced you to your wife. Okay. Yeah. Are we going now? Uh-huh. Oh, wait, sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, my little brother and I, of course, we have a seven-year gap, but we've always been really close. I mean, I helped him uh, play football. I mean, I, I kind of coached him along um, with everything in life. Uh, super, super smart kid. He's in the top 1% of the world as classified as a genius. Um, but he and my wife now went to school together, and I don't know why they talk on the phone all the time. And then he's like, he's like you know what, you should, you should meet her. And I'm like, well, I'm, whatever, I don't really care. I wasn't that... I was never looking for a relationship. He's like, well, all right. Mm -hmm. But we were at Texas Roadhouse one day having lunch, and he's, she calls. He's like, hey, why don't you come out here and meet us at Texas Roadhouse? Well, she decided to show up, and we met. And it wasn't love at first sight uh -huh. <laughs> because I was trying to hook my brother up with one of the waitresses there. <laughs> so she thought I was a jerk. <laughs> but um, we, we uh, started talking to each other on the phone after that. Okay, we're gonna get together and make him make my brother a cake because he was driving a truck at the time. He was he was gone for his birthday. Uh, he was a uh, he drove a truck. He was a truck driver, yes. Like an eighteen wheeler. Yes. That's what my dad does. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay, but um, so he was gone for his birthday, so we made a cake and took pictures and all that stuff, and then like we started seeing each other a couple times a week or at a. <laughs> I would I would buy her a meal and then she said, Well I have to I have to buy you one. So we did that back and forth and I think it's just our our way of keeping each other together. But um Uh-huh. Uh we probably were dating maybe three months and then uh, my brother actually passed away. He got in a motorcycle wreck when he was twenty four as well. So he was the same age as you. Yes. My motorcycle wreck, um, was when I was twenty four, eighteen days after my twenty fourth birthday, I got my wreck. He got his wreck. Seven years later, um, 16 days after his 24th birthday, and passed away three days later, so the oh, 19th wow. day. So where were you when you found out that your brother had been in a, in a wreck? I was actually at home. I was training dogs. Okay. And I, one, one of my friends called me meant to let me know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and the thing is, he had kept his motorcycle here, and... The day he decided that he got his wreck, he's like, I'm going to take my motorcycle and stay with my friends, keep it at my friend's house. And I watched him go down the road, I was like, I don't, I didn't have a good feeling about it. And I didn't know if it was just because I didn't want them messing up his motorcycle or what it was, but it was 45 minutes later, I got a phone call. Okay. And, you, and you, when you say here, you mean you were living here at the time? Yes. Were you, okay. <laughs> and he had kept his motorcycle here, but that he was going to bring it to his friends? Yes. Okay. So okay. I, I saw him literally right before he passed, or got in that wreck. Okay, and you just had a bad feeling about it yes. before? Yeah, okay. Well, like I said, I wasn't, I don't know, maybe the bad feeling was 
they're going to mess up his motorcycle or they're going to ride it while he's not there because mm. he was gone, you know, two or three or four weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. So. On the, riding the truck? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And so how how was that for you? I mean, after... For me, my mindset is, is never over. So he, he's going to be okay. He's going to pull through this. I'd already discussed with my mom. He's going to stay here. My house is handicap accessible. I'll take care of him. We're going we're gonna to push through this. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, um, a broken neck, same level as mine, and it's obviously from the helmet. But um, he had also a really bad broken leg that we had to amputate. And um, had a, a blood blood in his lungs as well. He had, he had some pretty bad problems. But he hung in there for three days. And uh, I had to come back here to take care of dogs on that last day, and I was I got tied up with a whole bunch of stuff, I had to get done. I hadn't paid my mortgage or anything because it happened on the October first. So I was trying to uh, catch up on loose ends, and then I came back there, went straight back and saw him, and uh, same thing, love you, you gonna pull through this, all that stuff. And it wasn't twenty minutes after I left, he passed away. And I think, and this could just be me creating things in my own head but I feel like he was waiting for me to say I love you and that was him saying he loved me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and was he res- was he responsive at that point at all or yeah, he, he wasn't was, at he, all yeah okay <clears throat> wow um and when that was in October yes okay okay um and then and then when did you and your wife get married. How soon after uh, that? We we dated for over a year, and um, let's see, put me on the spot. <laughs> we got married eleven four eleven. Okay. So. Okay, so that was like a year. A, year, a little year later. Okay. We had been dating for a few months, or see, not dating officially, but seeing each other mm-hmm. before he passed away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. And then, um, and then you have two children, so. (laughs) We've got a a little girl six years old, Uh and all the boys too. Okay, okay. And, um, of course they make, just made an appearance. Right, right. (laughs) So, um, okay, so, let's see. Go ahead. When, um, when I got in a wreck, a lot of people like, you know, God, why me? Why me? Mm-hmm. I was kind of a little bit different the way I looked at it. I was like, why did you leave me? You know, why you know, why did you give me a second chance? And I really didn't know, like, for, um, I don't know how many years it was before I got married. But, and then my little girl was born. And I was like, this is why I'm still here. Because for some reason, uh-huh. and Andrew and I have spoke about it several times, we have our heart to hearts <laughs> to each other. We kind of open up to each other, but. Uh-huh. When my kids are born, it's like, okay, this is why I'm here. They're here for a reason. They may be the next president of the United States. They, they may do something, tie it off completely different, but mm-hmm. that's why I was saved was for these kids. Yeah, yeah. So could could you talk a little bit about that, like how, just how it's been, how you keep up your um, your spirit um, uh, in the months uh, after and the years after? Uh, and- it was one hundred percent God, my religion. You know, I get down, I pray, but the, uh, and He gave me the strength to say, you know what, keep going, keep moving. Mm-hmm. You don't stop. And that's, I was raised. I worked hard on farms growing up, and back even in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always working. That's why I did so much in the military, and got promoted so fast because I worked hard. Mm-hmm. And then when I got injured, it's like, hey, you know I'm twenty one years old. Mm-hmm. I'm too young to stop. I got to keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's why I just, and to me, it's not, I don't think about it. It's just, okay, I'm awake. I got to do something. I got to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing when we were talking on the phone a couple of days ago, and and you said that you know you just didn't think your story was that remarkable. And I said, well, it is remarkable. And um, you just, you know, you just have this drive where you just wake up, you know, you just, you just do it. You right. just do what you got to do. And, um, so I you know that's really, that's admirable. So, um, 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I see that you do have a story that's okay. worth sharing, you know. Um, so could you talk a little bit more about um, the work that you do with with the dogs? and Because um, I, I really don't know anything. Okay. So talk to me. Like, yeah, to talk, explain it to someone who doesn't know anything. <laughs> well, the most of my business I get are people with their pets. They're having problems with dogs pulling on leash and jumping on them. So we do basic obedience on a whole lot of pets. But I also do service dogs, like handicap-assistant dogs, whether it be um, um, PTSD or diabetes or autism or just people in wheelchairs or some people even not in wheelchairs that need dogs to brace and stand with. I do a lot of that training as well. Mm -hmm. And I train police dogs and military working dogs, and we sell them as that. We'll raise them up and mm -hmm. train them and sell them trained. So let's back up to the service dogs then. Um, do you work with uh, both the dog and the individual? or Yes. So what are some of the s situations that would bring someone here needing a service dog? Uh, any, anybody needed an extra hand. Um, go back to Rolo. He, he got me out of bed in the morning. I was training him. But when I first got in the, like, started going out on my own in a wheelchair by myself, it's like the whole world's changed. People kind of looking at you weird or they're just completely ignoring you. My service dog there kind of even the playing field. People looked at me, oh, hey, that's a nice dog or whatever. Mm -hmm. It made people communicate with me rather than ignore me because I'm in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So they are great for people with uh, emotional and stress issues and uh, anxiety going in back into public after an injury or just because they, they mm -hmm. have those issues to begin with. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. There's lots of, lots of reasons we can use service dogs. So do you work a lot with veterans? I have a lot of veterans um, that come in. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I do uh, diabetes. I've had a couple uh, recently, two kids come in with childhood diabetes. They were doing those seizure alert dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes older people, they have a hard time with bracing. Mm -hmm. They'll fall and they need a, a, a dog to hold on to so they don't fall or help them get up off the chair. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. And do you think that they see, like, that? they see you as more like relatable especially because you've been through something like this that they can um they would see you more relatable than say somebody else or i'm, I'm sure they do mm -hmm. um i guess on that side of the the page that i would say people oh yeah i want to go to him because he's in a wheelchair for a service dog but it's kind of the opposite when i'm training and selling police dogs like, oh this guy's in a wheelchair they must not be that good Mm -hmm. And they come here and see my dogs. I mean, I've got some of the best bloodlines in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I've got to fight. One side is good, and the other side, I've got to fight that. Oh, he's in a wheelchair. Can he really do the mm -hmm. bite work? Can he do what I need to get done? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about that. Talk about um, the police and military working dogs. Okay. Um, all all um, protection, police dogs, they kind of start off the same way with their bite work. Um, and we start them off with our puppies, and we have a litter. We start doing bite work like three days old or three weeks old. Mm -hmm. We either start doing biosensory stress testing at three days old. What does that mean? Um, you just hold them in different positions, put them in different things. It simulates their uh, brain growth. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm um, just clicking a little faster. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but um, by the time they're eight weeks old, they're going home. Most of them are doing bite work. You can hang them up in the air on a bite. Looks like a little fish hanging on a hook. <laughs> but um, that and I do um, IPO Schutzen is the German sport I was saying about. What it's, is IPO? Um, it's a German sport that uh, you compete in three phases. It's tracking, um, obedience, and protection. Mm -hmm. You know, do all three phases to title. And I've titled a few dogs in that all the way from nothing to um, IPO three, mm -hmm. which is the highest you can go. Okay, okay. And mm -hmm. then what kind of work did those dogs do? What are they trained to do? I'm tracking, like man tracking, like if you walk out there, you drop an article on your wallet or something. There, originally it was a, a breed test, that if your dog did this, okay, you could breed it. And that It just kind of turned to a sport from there. Mm -hmm. But um, if you drop an article on the track, the dog will find it and lay down on it and indicate the article. Mm -hmm. And it does it through the different paths and different designs, mm -hmm. um, you know, beforehand. <clears throat> and obedience, you're doing retrieves. You're doing sits out of motion, downs out of motions, um, a lot of healing. Uh, well, it's a little bit of everything as far as obedience goes. Mm -hmm. And then protection. <coughs> protection is more of your direct search, like searching blinds, looking for the bad guy. When you find the bad guy, indicating, 
and stomping the bad guys, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you want to take a break? I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So finding a bad guy, and then what do they do if they find a bad guy? Uh, hold and bark. I'm sure you've seen pictures. So they're like standing in front of the guy barking mm -hmm. until he moves. They're not supposed to bite. They're supposed to stand there and bark to indicate where the bad guy is. Okay. Okay. And then and then what else? Um, if he runs, they catch him. They have to out. All this stuff's off leash. No no collars or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So it takes a pretty high. You can take a dog that just wants to go out there and bite and. They they're not doing it out of anger or, or mm -hmm. fear. They're doing it because they enjoy it. Mm -hmm. They just want it's just like a track runner likes to go run. Mm -hmm. okay. They they just like to go bite and have fun. The problem is getting them under control, so you can do all that stuff off leash. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> and then what type of situation where they where, would they need to do that like in the real world? Um, as a civilian, no. <laughs> but um, unless you're doing sport, and sport is anybody can do it. I mean, you can start grab a dog today and start training. To do sport. Well, I mean, like the dog. So you're training yeah. the dog to do this. But what? Where would the dog do that in the real as world? As like a police police department or okay. military, you're going in the building searching for the bad guy. Mm -hmm. If somebody's held up in a closet, you bark let them know there. If they move, the dog will apprehend them. Okay. Okay. And that way, it saves lives. Right. Okay. And so that's the same for police as in military. Like they, so you yes. would train the same, did the same the same type of training for dogs that would go right. like overseas. Right. And plus, you have to do detection. You got you got um, most commonly here in this in the states is your narcotics, and then you got explosive stuff. You use more overseas. Mm -hmm. But you have explosives here too, and airports, that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. So they they're trained to sniff. Like drugs and explosives right. and that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, um, so, so, how, explain a little bit about how you train a dog to do that. Um, first, the dog has to have a great temperament, great nerves, can't be skittish, mm -hmm. um, and they have to have a drive for a toy or for food, mm -hmm. preferably a toy because you don't want to carry food around everywhere you go. <laughs> uh huh. But um. What you do is you have a dog that's crazy about a ball. Well, you're playing with a ball in a, in a box that has odor in it. They can't mm -hmm. reach the odor, mm -hmm. whether it be explosives or narcotics. And you get them, okay, when I smell that odor, I get a toy. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're doing. You're making a bridge there. Mm -hmm. I want my toy. They don't care how they get the toy. But, okay, now when I find the scent, that's how I get my toy. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it is. Okay. At this point in the conversation, um, we bring in Andrew Simmons to talk about his friendship with Damien. And as you'll notice, um, after a few minutes talking to Andrew, we bring in Damien as well. And the three of us start talking. So here we go. Hi, Andrew. Hey, how you doing, Colleen? Oh, you know, great. Good. Good. Yes, yeah, I, I figured since you were sitting on the other side of the table for so long, um, we'd bring you over here to to you know hear your perspective okay. a little bit. So, um, yeah, we didn't want you to feel left out. Yeah, appreciate that. Right. So, um, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I remember you telling me about Damien a few times, and um, so do you remember what year it was that you? That you met him or why you reached out to him? What did we say? What about 2012? Sound about right. So I was I was at a, a party with a coworker and over at their house and I had brought Xandra with me. Xandra's one of my Dutch shepherds. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I brought her with me. She's very social. And one of the ladies there stopped me like, I gotta take take your dog's picture, you know. And I was like, okay, yeah, go ahead. So I didn't know it, but she took a picture of Xandra. And uh, send it to Damien, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I guess he had get commented. And she started telling me about Damien. That was the first time I ever heard about him. But um, wasn't long after that. I think Damien had done an interview for WBR, and uh, I'd watched the interview through Facebook and uh, and everything. And I was like, "Why? Well, I've heard this guy's name before." And then I remembered about the party and the picture and everything else. And uh, so I was like, well, I'll go ahead and reach out to him and see about doing some training because I was going, uh, uh, gosh, how far? It was almost to Nashville, wasn't it? Cookville, Nashville. So over a two-hour drive to go mm -hmm. train somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, this guy's up in Union County. It's my backyard. So mm -hmm. that's, that's when I gave him a call and we got together. 
Because before that, you had just done like regular training, right? I hadn't done. I had I had uh, paid somebody to mm -hmm. to uh, uh, come help me with Layla, my first dog, mm -hmm. uh, and they had come to my house and helped me help me work through basic obedience with her. Mm -hmm. And then I more or less taught Xandra basic obedience myself, mm -hmm. um, but not as good as uh, Damien mm -hmm. would yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> he taught you better. <laughs> yeah, he taught me a lot better. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so. So you've mentioned that he's been a mentor to you, or yes. you've kind of looked up to him, or he, and he's helped you through some things. Could you talk about that relationship and how he's helped you? Well, I mean, sure. Uh, like I said, you know, I had I had, could do basic obedience, but a lot of mine was like using hand signals and, mm -hmm. and things of that nature, which is not really the preferred method. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, you know, he taught, first taught me how to fix that. <laughs> it's like, you know, she, Xander would do basic obedience, but not to the best of her abilities. So mm -hmm. first we cleaned that up. And then I asked Damien if, you know, he thought that she could do uh, personal protection work or IPO stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we tried it out and, and she can do it, but it's not for her. Mm -hmm. You can tell it's not her cup of tea, mm -hmm. but she can do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we he kind of helped me. He taught me, you mm -hmm. know, how to get her to do things, and mm -hmm. and she worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, but even besides, like, helping with the training, um, he you had mentioned that he had just been, like, like a mentor, like a friend to you, and kind of helped mm -hmm. you through some tough times. Right. Yeah, well, and, and from the very first day we got together, I mean, found out he was Army and mm -hmm. I was Marines, and then uh -huh. from that day on, it was, it was, it was game on. <laughs> so <laughs> we would, uh, you know, we, we'd throw jabs back and forth at each other, all in good fun. Uh -huh. But we just really got to be to where, like, we would talk about anything with each other, mm -hmm. um, you know, and times, you know, throughout, throughout my life where I've had, you know, some issues, some dark times, you know, because him being a combat veteran, he understands a lot of the stuff that, that goes on with me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, he, he's been an outlet for me to bounce things off of ideas, thoughts, you mm -hmm. know, and so it's, it's been a great help. Mm -hmm. And, um, and let's see, I'm trying to think, <laughs> sorry, we'll, we'll pause this part. Okay. <laughs> well, it's gone both ways. Mm -hmm. Andrew's there for me. How about you come on over? Come on over. <laughs> Sit right next to him. I'm gonna. Yeah. Mmm. <laughs> yes, it has sugar. Okay. All right. So we'll go ahead and clip this on. And all right. So I'm just gonna ask the questions real loud. Here we go. And um. Okay. Are we all fit? <laughs> this is kind of funny. Oh. Oh. Ah. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is good stuff. So, how has it gone? So, how has it gone both ways? Um, anytime I need, if I need to talk to someone, I can call Andrew day or night. He'll be there, no questions asked, and I, I'm there for him the same way. So, our friendship started off as dog training, but grew pretty fast, pretty quick because we have kind of stomped the same dirt, chewed the same mud. That's so. right. That's mm -hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you give an example of, you know, some ways that you've helped each other? Well, like, I'll go ahead and tell you one that bailed me out big time is that the last litter that, that we had, um, I was, Xander was in labor for 19 hours and I did not sleep at all. Mm -hmm. So up all night in the box with her, helping birth these puppies. I was tired when it was all said and done. <laughs> And hadn't hadn't eaten. I hadn't eaten. Uh, I had very little to drink. I had no food in the house. <laughs> uh, I was all out of tobacco. I, I was in bad shape. Mm -hmm. um, and so Damien and Jamie and and the kids actually mm -hmm. came over, brought me pizza, brought me drinks, uh, brought me some tobacco, and hung out with me. And then and then let me go take a shower while they took care of the puppies and and Zandra. Um, so yeah, that was just one. Is, but that one was huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a time when he helped you? <laughs> yeah. Anytime, you know, thinking about things in the past, things that work, things in the future, we we sit down and we'll have a, we'll talk about it five, six, twenty hours. Oh yeah. But 
Well, we get in deep conversations about stuff probably everybody does, but mm-hmm. he's my go-to. If I need, need to call somebody, I call Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I say one night after after we were down down here in the building working dogs, I think everything that night, and I started driving home and his, his battery died <laughs> on his wheelchair. <laughs> And uh, he was halfway up the driveway. Oh, no. And, yes. <laughs> and he didn't want to call and wake up Jamie and everything else. And uh, so he gave me a call. I was already 20 minutes down the road. Uh-huh. And uh, so I turned around and, and came back. And then because he, he had intermittent power. So we'd like, okay, on the count of three, push. <laughs> and <laughs> so so it, it took us a little while. But we made it back up there. Um, but that was just funny. We laughed. We horse laughed about that because yeah. I fell. I think I fell a couple of times. Yes. Skin, skin my knees up trying to push him. And that was probably quite a sight. Oh, I'm sure it was for somebody to be watching. <laughs> well, he didn't know I had a little power at first. Yeah. So he started pushing, and I hit the power, and he oh, the chair went out from under. Oh, I face, face planted right in the yeah. gravel. Yeah. <laughs> Skinned up, bit, bruised up both my knees. It was hilarious. Like I said, we laughed. We horse laughed about it. Uh huh. That's but funny. we find ourselves in situations like that kind of routinely, right? Um, and we just we laugh. We have a good time about it. And you're not becoming such good friends. I've actually started teaching him how to do decoy work, mm-hmm. so he can play mm-hmm. the bad guy now. He put on a bite suit and a sleeve. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can take him to a certain point, and then finally, it's like I need somebody else for the dog to bite too because I can only go so far. Um, not physically, but the dog's mental. Uh-huh. So you can't. Yeah. Let your dogs bite you forever. Mm-hmm. They yeah. bite the people. And he stepped up, and he's becoming a pretty good decoy. Okay. Halfway decent. I, I don't want to blow his head up too big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now he he plays the bad guy. Puts the suit on and yeah. puts the sleeve on. Does that kind of work with me? And um, that's he's, really he's cool. a lot of help. Yeah, that's really cool. Huh. It's fun. It's fun. I love it. Mm. What other stories? Oh man. We drove. We were telling you earlier. We drove to Chicago to pick up a dog, mm-hmm. and couldn't find it. We got there. The dog was super aggressive. <laughs> so we came, we drove back back with this dog. It was ninety five pound Dutch Shepherd is very aggressive in a plastic crate, and the van just the whole way back praying it wouldn't bust yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have a kennel set up because we were told the dog wasn't aggressive, so we didn't have a kennel set up. And then after we came back, we had a. Two thirty in the morning, freezing yep. cold out, hands freezing to the kennel, the kennel, putting assembling it so we can get this dog out of this crate that wanted yeah. to eat us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good trip. So what yeah. do you do with a dog like that? Um, he's got a great pedigree, so he's uh, a breeding dog. Yeah. He's already titled. Uh, he's done French ring and that kind of stuff, but he's not trustworthy as far because mm. he's already bit people. Okay. Okay. And that's and that's another thing too is like you know the the person that did that to that dog did that intentionally. They uh, made that dog that way mm-hmm. intentionally, and then it got to the point where it's you can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he's like what five years yeah. old at the time, so five years of being being led down this road to be the type of dog that he is, mm-hmm. it doesn't change well, quickly or easily. Everybody wants a big bad dog until they have one, mm-hmm. and then they don't want a big bad dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, my top stud dog. Tommy, he's he's known um, all around the world. Mm-hmm. He's the only Dutch Shepherd in the world to be IPO three and Grand Champion in show. And still to this in the world, the only yes. one in the world. Wow. Um, and that dog was super powerful and mm-hmm. bite work would scare a lot of people. But if he was on the field, you can lay down on the ground with him and play with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what we go for. We want clear headed dogs that were willing to work. Mm-hmm. And I remember Damien telling stories, you know about. Kendall being real, real little, and just putting Tommy out there in the yard with her, and mm-hmm. she's pulling on his ears and his tail, yep. and and he he you know wouldn't bat an eyelash. Now if I tried to go over and do that, <laughs> I wouldn't even make it uh, to touching him before I get bit. Uh-huh. Um, but that's just how level-headed he really was. Right. But I, I used him as a service dog. I cross-trained him as a service dog as well, and I would take him to Walmart to grocery store. And people pay him, they bump into him, step on his feet even. And he just sit there and look at you. So he knew how to turn it on and off? Like he knew, yes. knew when he was a service dog and he knew when he was like a working dog. Right. And that was all because of when you trained him. Yes. And that's why he's saying the guy that trained the other dog that's super aggressive, he wanted that. He trained mm-hmm. for that. And uh-huh. then it was more than he could handle. Did he just 
did he get like professional training or he just did it on his own? <laughs> um, I'm sure with your uh, job, you see a lot of people that call themselves uh, reporters or whatever. There's a lot of people that call themselves dog trainers. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're not necessarily dog trainers. Right. Okay. Okay. Huh. Um, so did you want to talk a little bit more about, um, you said about Tommy and an international oh, dog? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and do that now. Um, well, we started, or I started off, not we, <laughs> um, training in my, in my yard, uh-huh. just like I said, a, a client here and there just to pay for dog food. Uh-huh. Well, since then we've now, we've got a 6,000 square foot training facility. Which we're in right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, Beautiful. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, and we've got dogs all over the world. We've got dogs in several different countries. Um, one of Tommy's puppies is actually, in, they import him back to Holland. That's where most of Dutch Shepherds come from, or Holland. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually bought one back, and he's a, a big big stud dog over there now. So my my uh, creation, yeah. if you will, is still spreading mm-hmm. all over. Okay. So what countries? Um almost all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vietnam, Guam, um, we have some, we sent straight South to Canada, South America, yeah. um, actually I think in um, Africa as well. I've, I've got dogs in Australia. And what are they doing there? Most of them police work. So you trained police dogs that are in all these other countries? But the police dogs that I train, I sell them here in this country. Okay. But I sell puppies to other countries, and then they train them there. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Huh. Or they'll buy a dog for me, and then they'll breed them in other countries, and then they sell puppies too. Okay. Okay, so like, let's say someone wants a service dog. Okay. What do they do? Uh, it's a lot cheaper if they have their own dog or want me to go help them find a dog because I can check the nerve temperament the stability of the dog and its mm-hmm. working ability um, beforehand if you go out and buy these dogs that's already trained from some of these uh, professional service dogs you may pay thirty or forty thousand dollars for a dog uh-huh. and they can come here and with their own dog and i can train them for hundreds not thousands right so do you work with just people here in the knoxville area or do you have people that come from across the country i've actually got people that come from all over the country i've had people um driving from phoenix i've had people driving from michigan i've had people fly their dogs in and i pick them up train them and then put them back on an airplane so i've got dogs all over i've got some people that come to weekly training that drive four hours one way from north carolina and nashville chattanooga Uh uh-huh so what else should people know about your business like if they wanted to reach out to you um we do we do pretty much everything. I don't do um, herding cattle and I don't hunt. You don't hunt. I can't get my chair through the woods. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I don't do hunting dog. I can train. I put obedience on any of them. Uh huh. But I don't teach your dog how to go chase coons. Oh okay yeah. okay. Yeah. So the work that you do is is here in the in the warehouse or do you call it a warehouse or is it a training building? Yeah. Training building. <laughs> training building and then and then outdoors. Yes. Okay. Okay. And we've got big hay fields we do tracking and so look that on. Mm-hmm. And we can go they've got a state park down the road we can do man tracking for like search and rescue. Mm-hmm. That we use there too. Okay. Okay. Um I think that's something interesting too because Damon's actually done that with some of his dogs. Uh, uh and I can't remember the, whole, the entire details of it, but basically a, per, a kid had gone missing yes. out in Blunt County, and they called Damien to come out there, and and uh, he was able to track to an intersection, uh, and that's where yeah. the, the the boy had been sitting there, and mm-hmm. we kept tracking on up the hill, but it was super windy that day, and the track was already um, several hours, yeah, old, 12, 13 or, hours yeah. old, and uh-huh. she still tracked. All the way up to she got off that hill and the scent was everywhere. So she she lost track, but we found out a few days later she was like thirty feet from where the guy the kid parked his bike and ran off. Oh. Okay. So she tracked it, a kid on a bicycle. Uh huh. Yeah. Thirteen hour old track in high winds. So wow. She did pretty well. And so the police department contacted you. <laughs> yep. So the place, um, okay. I, no, actually, I'm I'm president of the board of our local fire department, mm. and um, somebody contacted the fire department, and it just so happened it was one of his family members said, uh-huh. hey, uh, he asked me, he said, can you come 
track it's on this kid. Uh-huh. We loaded up and we went. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So are there other situations like that where you've been called to to help with with search and rescue you can do that without a police stuff. You have to be certified, the dog has to be certified okay. through the department to do that kind of stuff. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So there's another story about Angus? Yeah, Angus, which uh, you have to break down the lineage. I'm not sure who. Tommy's son. Tommy's son. Uh, Smokey's brother. Okay, that's right. Smokey's brother. Uh-huh. And uh, so we was training up here one day by the barn. We were working outside, and, and I was just wearing a, a leather apron, okay, and, and I had a sleeve on my left arm. And we were working on holding barks. And so <laughs> I was in a, a blind uh, standing there, and... I, I, on purpose, I might come out of this blind a little bit just to give myself room to, you know, if I had to catch the dog or maneuver, um, which, wherein I should have been more in in the blind. Uh-huh. But so he sent Angus. Angus runs around the blind and then comes back in between my legs from behind. And so he's, his head is right here between my legs. <laughs> and I'm like, Damien, Damien, Damien. Help, David. And he's just laughing. He's laughing his head off over there. He's like, just just don't move, you know. <laughs> you know? So I'm froze. I'm froze over here. I'm scared to death. Like, this dog is, is it, it hurts to catch him on a bite, you know. And here he is in between my legs, and I have nothing to protect myself. I um, think this is a very serious dog. He's yeah. not just out there playing. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I was like, David, David, help me. You know, help me. And, you know, he, he, he just recalled him, and we did it again. It was fine. But <laughs> for that moment, I was I thought, I'm about to get bit. Oh it's going to hurt really, really bad. <gasps> <laughs> Depending on where he bites, it's going to be extremely bad. I'm going to the hospital. Did you did you think he was going to bite or no? I knew if he bit, if we were still, he'd be fine. That's mm-hmm. why I was laughing. I said, just be still. And I was trying to get my composure so I could call the dog back because I was laughing too hard. <laughs> He's like, dang it. Like I didn't want to move nothing. I was trying to stop my heartbeat. You know, I didn't want, didn't want to give it away. <laughs> oh goodness, goodness. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, let's see. So, what are your, so what's next for you, Damien? Um, I'm still gonna do the same thing. I don't know how long I will I'll train dogs. Um, I enjoy it. It gets me out of the house. Gets me going to do things. Um, so, I, but I have kids, so I think I'm gonna have to start making some time for myself, give myself days off, and I know he's on me about it all the time too, because mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, I work seven days a week. So, wow. But maybe I'll start taking a day or two off. But I'm, I'll, so you can I'll, spend some time with some time with your kids, right? Or, yeah. yeah, because we need to do lake days and camping trips and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Okay. But I'll probably be training dogs, so I can't train dogs. Uh-huh. I've already been thinking about my retirement dog, so I'll have a dog forever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Andrew, did you want to say anything else? Anything, any lasting, (laughs) you know, words about, about Damien or what people should know? Well, uh, as, as Damien mentioned earlier, you know, I think, you know, the good Lord puts people in your life at different times when you need them and for different reasons and different functions and, and, uh, Certainly, I believe that our our relationship has been has been that, and like I said, we've had we've had a great time, <laughs> you yeah. know, for since what five six years now, and yeah. yeah, great friends, great friends. Well, I'm glad I'm a great friend. You, <laughs> you can probably step it up. A I, I bit. need to step it up, Roger. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Damien, would you like to say anything nice about Andrew? No, he probably I'll wouldn't. try, but I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> Now, Angie's one of those guys, you call him, he's there, no matter what it is. If I'm like, hey, I need you to come over here, Kendall needs some help with cheerleading. He'll come over here and help. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, he'll be here. That's true. And that's that's friendship. Yes. Good. He'll drop everything and be here. Of course, I wouldn't waste his time with something, but cause he's a busy man. He's working in school and all that stuff. So. Yeah. But he would put it to the side to come here anytime I called him. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. Good. And I almost like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and um, 
I'm glad that this is like the first interview I've done where we've had like so many other people come and join the interview. Okay. So this is great. I might, it might be a trend. Oh, there you know. go. <laughs> a lot of editing for you. Yeah, yeah. A lot of editing. Well, the good thing is I don't do the editing, yeah, so I okay. give that to Steven. He gets to do that. So okay. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I just do the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I got beautiful kids, so you don't have to worry about that. There you yes, go. Yes, they are beautiful. That's true. Not much That's true. They get it from their mama. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Was well, there anything else? Anything else I you want to say? I think I'm good. Yep. Think you're good. Okay. I didn't think I could talk this long about myself. But I guess we did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did it. We sure did. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on the Carlina show, and um, I've I really enjoyed talking to y'all. No, thanks for having us. It was fun. All good right. time. Well, good. Good. Yeah. That concludes episode nine with Damian Barry. I want to thank him for coming on the show and sharing his journey with us. If you'd like to learn more about Damien and connect with him, visit the website carlina.fireside.fm and click on Damien's guest or episode page. If you'd like to support the Carlina Show podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or visit our Patreon page and become a patron. If you are watching this on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Your support helps people find the show and ensures that we continue sharing heroes' journeys with you.